This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. This is, um, I had a dream many, many years ago, and so um, some of you heard it, many of you probably haven't, but I was at a, uh, a retreat, and in that retreat, I found myself at a dock really early in the morning, I'm an early riser, and had a cup of coffee in my hand, walked out to the dock, and before everybody else was getting up, and, and I'm just talking to the Lord, and just having conversation with God, the, and I love water skiing, so I'm sitting there looking at this perfectly calm lake, and I'm thinking about barefooting. I'm like, no, Lord, that's not why I'm here. And I'm thinking about skiing. I'm thinking, and so you know, I'm going through the struggle that all of us do. Our minds go off, do they not? And I'm saying, God, I want to focus on you right now. I want to focus on you and your plan. And I don't know where I was at, and I don't know if it was 10 minutes, 30 minutes into that, uh, that time with God, but God gave me this vision. And the Bible says that his spirit will teach it, show us things that are not of this world, but they're, they're caught up in the heavenlies. And then the vision was this. I seen Jesus, and I, and I only knew it was Jesus because I knew it was Jesus. And you can question, well, how'd you know? Well, well you know, we know that we know. You know, and we'll know in that hour. Well, and then I seen all these kids crying. And I mean, I'm, I mean, just thousands of children crying. And then I saw Jesus. And then I saw these kids crying, and I saw Jesus and the crying. And then I just, and it was gone. So all of that vision picture was probably maybe 30 seconds long. But it changed my life. When God touches you and touches a situation, it changes the course of your life. I began to ask the Lord for interpretation. I said, Lord, what is that? Because I, what I, I noticed is that these children were very, you know, they were very expressionate. They were crying out, they were in need. But Jesus was motionless and expressionless. Almost just literally no expression. And Jesus says, or the Spirit of God said this, he goes, Jesus is expressionless because that's my church towards my kids. They're not reaching out. And when I, when I you look at the stats of how many children have been physically abused, sexually abused, mentally, emotionally abused. And if you think for a minute that this COVID isn't abusive on a child, you are not in the spirit. This thing is not just affecting adults. This is affecting kids. Never has there been such suicidal thoughts and tendencies towards kids. Never there's, a, and yet so many of us are just being, we're literally looking at our own lives and how it's affecting our workplace, how it's affecting our finances, how it's affecting whether we can go to work, how we have social distancing, whether we're wearing a mask. I mean, the other day, I, I, I'm constantly, you know, where's my mask? And I'm just, just trying to figure out how to connect and how it's affecting me. But I'm not even, you know, these kids, this is the generation of these children and how it's affecting them now that many of them are not going to be able to go to school this week. 
And so let, let me just share with you, and I'm not saying that the, the, the school um, council is doing the wrong things or the right things. That's not what I'm here to talk about. Today I want to talk to you about, about being separated unto God, that you're a holy people unto God. You're peculiar. You're not of this world. These are all the words, these are all the pictures. This is God's viewpoint, you know, and we say that, you know, um, perspective is everything, right? Well, if perspective is everything, then what's God's perspective? Forget about yours or mine or, or the, you know, or whatever, whether it's going on politically, what is God's perspective of this hour of our life? And are we even leaning into it? So I know that, I don't I hopefully we still have that picture of the, um, yep, all right, for the last couple weeks I've been talking about this, this tent of meeting. Now I want to paint a picture, if I could, for you. I, I know a lot of us are very visually aided, so help, I want you guys to understand, imagine like a million people that are camped around this tent. And now when they're camped, there's camped in order. There's three, three tribes to the south, three tribes to the north, three tribes to the east, and three tribes. So in a, in a picture of a cross. So the tent of meaning isn't something. Every tent is faced towards God's presence. Not in God's presence, but faced toward it. Do you realize that every one of us should have our face toward the author and the finisher of our faith? Look unto the author and the finisher of your faith. We should all be looking. So just like in this picture, imagine all these people. Now look at all of them. They're all going in to this tent. Now I know it doesn't have a picture of all of the million people around it, but that's what was really going on. And what would happen is that these people were all facing it because, see, God was trying to get them to understand that God's presence is different than the pagan life or the worldly life or the culture that we live in today. You know, our, what, the work environment that we live in, the school environment we live in, the academic thing we live in, the, the, the medical field that we live in, the political environment, all of those things are real, and I'm not saying they're not real, but to God, they're pagan. They're not his reality, they're not his perspective. And he's wanting us to be separated. He goes, I know you gotta go live in this world, but I am calling you to be in my presence, to go walk out from my presence into the world. And yet so many of us are not getting rid of this filth, and today I wanna talk about it. In fact, we have this uh, labor out here, because this is what we're gonna be really sharing with you guys today, okay? Now, I know, in fact, if you could turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 30, and I wasn't raised in Catholicism, so it's really hard sometimes for me to understand priesthood. How many of you were raised in Catholicism? Anybody in here? Raised, all right. You're going to understand this better, okay? So for me, in fact, I'll be honest with you, I was raised in the uh, Christian Reform uh, uh, background. And there was only, and please don't take this personal, but my parents says you can date anybody, but you can't date a Catholic. I never even knew what Catholics were. I never even knew. And so I didn't really, really get it because that was, there was just something against the, and there was, there was, people were at odds. I never understood it. 
I didn't I understand, did, did Catholic people believe in the devil? Did, I had no idea what was really um, there. But that was the way that was passed on. And you know, a lot of times what's happening in our churches today isn't what should be passed on. What should be passed on is the power of Christ and the presence of Christ. And I, myself, am guilty many times I've talked about what's outside the presence of God. I've talked about the format of who God is, but getting my kids into that presence, getting the church into that presence where they receive the power of God in their life. I mean, you taste and see that God is good. And it's not about talk. It's not imagery, and what I love about God is that God, he made it so unique and different. I used to read the Bible, and probably like you, and you read the Old Testament and go, my goodness, there's a lot of formality here. I mean, the garments and the, the attire, and you know, we really kind of get away from that. Haven't we? I mean, today, I'm trying to wear something very basic today, but a lot of us, what we've done is, we've, we've, we as a church have done away with so much of the formality, but you know what, in doing such We've lost sometimes the, some of the consciousness of what's sacred to God. I'm guilty of that. And, and that when God says, look, he, he told Moses, he goes, he says, Moses, you know what? Take your shoes off, dude. What you're walking in is holy ground. I mean, it's the first thing that God speaks. I mean, God could have picked a whole lot of things to say as Moses is approaching the bush. Right? Hey, Moses, good to see you. I'm glad you're drawing close. But the thing that God speaks, the first thing he says is sacred. The first impression he tries to give Moses is that this is a sacred moment. And you know what? So many times I've not done that. And I'm sorry to my children. I'm sorry to you as a church as a family. But God is showing me in these last hours, I believe he's making his people ready, that there are things that God calls sacred. And if God calls it sacred, we should call it sacred that he calls us holy people there's a reason why god says don't ever say anything evil or malicious toward another person because every person is made in god's image now whether they're operating in god's image that's altogether different but they are made in god's image and because they're made in god's image they are sacred to god's perspective even though they may not live that out we may be sacred to god's image but we may not be living that out we have to be living what God has called it. And so today, I want to share with you that because God has a, a, a perspective or he has an imagery of all of us, and most of us have missed it. He calls us priests in a new order. Every one of you, if you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, male, female, whatever, you are a priest unto God. You know, and, and priests, basically what they do is, is they take care of the sacred elements of God and come into the presence of God, all right? And so, if we could, in Exodus chapter 30, let's get in the Old Testament a little bit, get a, a little bit of a picture of it, and we'll move into the New Testament and try to help us with some understanding. And by the way, before we get there, I just want you to know, well, you know, in all of this holy and sacred situation, one million people living together in a desert land, a wilderness, and not one of them is sick. Not one of them is dealing with any virus. Not one of them is dealing with any kind of, of any, any kind of, even their clothing, because honestly, there's, there's, obviously they took stuff from Egypt, but the Bible says that their clothes didn't even wear out. 
Now, how many of you mothers out there would like to see your kids not wear? My, my wife, I don't know if she's even present in this room or not. My wife is always running. My, the staff always say she's always running. She, in three months' time, wore out three pairs of tennis shoes this summer. Who does that? I don't even know 16-year-olds that do that, all right? But my wife can wear out tennis shoes, three of them, three pair, in, in literally three months. So it's a pair a month, you know? And so the point I'm trying to make is this, is that if, if she was in that presence in that time, those tennis shoes wouldn't have wore out. You say, well, how is that possible? See, that's the thing is you try to make perspective of what God does or what you do. So you try to make sense of what God is doing. And God goes, I'm in a whole different, holiness is in a whole different, whole different environment. When they walked in that tent, what was inside that tent, inside that tent was different than what was outside that tent. That's what God is trying to, and God wants us inside, and many of us are still living on the outside, or perspective, our thinking, our ways. In fact, I think so much of it today. Exodus chapter 30, verse 17, then the Lord said to Moses, make a bronze wash basin with a bronze stand, make it between the tabernacle and the altar, and fill it with water. Aaron and his sons will wash their hands and their feet there. They must wash them with water whenever they go into the tabernacle to appear before the Lord. And when they approach the altar to burn up their special gifts to the Lord, or they will die. They must always wash their hands and feet, or they will die. This is a permanent law for Aaron and his descendants to be observed from generation to generation. So, generation to generation, these priests were to wash their hands and then to take their, whatever they have, their tyrant, and to wash their feet. And that's what they were to do. When they came into the tent of meeting, when they went outside the tent, every single time they were to do this. Because they, they realized, God was, whatever you touch, because they were going to touch the sacrifices. Whatever you touch becomes what? Sacred to God. Sacred to God. So when he was asking the people to come with sacrifices, when he was asking the people to come forward with sacrifices, that's why he said, look, don't let it be spot or blemish. He says, because what you're killing, what you're giving to me, I call sacred. You may have raised it on the farm. You may even give, you know what, that, that, that uh, lamb a name. But to me, God's going, that is a sacred sacrifice to me. So when you're up here singing, God calls that sacred When you're over there in the children's ministry serving those kids, God calls it sacred. But what happens when we live in a different perspective? When we, what God calls sacred inside, we live on the outside. And all of a sudden what happens is what God calls inside sacred, we live on the outside. Well, then what we're doing is just like Adam and Eve. What we're doing is, is we're not realizing that we're within the garden of God. We're within the, the, the stage that God wants us to live in, within the presence of the power of God, but all of a sudden our mind disengages. We begin to follow deception, and what happens when we get deceived? We walk away from God's design and plan. So, Exodus chapter 30 shares with us and tells us Moses Every time. And by the way, you're all priests now. This isn't my job. This isn't the elder's job. 
If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God wants you to be a priest. Let me read it to you, okay? It's found in Revelations chapter 1. Revelations chapter 1. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace, peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who still to come. From the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things. First, to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of, say it with me, for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever. So if we could, I would like to um, just take a moment and uh, demonstrate, because we just for, just basically for uh, review, if you haven't been here in the last few weeks. We enter his gates, Psalms 100, we enter his gates with? So we're not going to even get close to God unless we have what kind of heart? A thankful heart, a thankful heart. And so I, I have a thankful heart, not because my circumstances are great. I have a thankful heart because I'm drawing close to God. I'm not, I'm getting rid of my perspectives, and I'm going to realize I'm going, I'm drawing near God. So I have a thankful heart. So then what it says, you're in his gates with thanksgiving, in his courts with, so I enter his courts with praise. So now I'm beginning to praise God for who he is. I praise him that he is my healer. I praise him that he is my restorer. I praise him that he is a covenant God. He's a loving God. He's a God of hope. He's a God of strength. He's a God of might. I praise him for 2020. He is the vision and the picture. I remember thinking from 2019 that 2020 was going to be the greatest year. I thank God that I didn't see this. Amen? Because I still believe God is, this is the greatest year. I believe that I have been preaching the best sermons I have ever had in my whole life. I believe what God is putting inside. But on the outside, circumstances are more bleak than ever. I don't want to live outside the tent. I want to live in the tent of meeting. I want to live inside, and I am a priest. And so I enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. And what is the first thing that I do after I come over there and I have this altar? I have a sacrifice. So some of us have this sacrifice. I'm going to serve as a, you know, as a children's worker. I'm going to serve in praise and worship. I'm going to serve in a small group. Because remember, these things are sacrificial. And they are, what are they to God? Sacred to God. It's not about going over there and going, well, it'll work for me and not work for me. This is a sacred moment. So God's asking me to make these sacrifices thing. In fact, you know, um, today doesn't seem, uh, today's just really hard to talk about sacrifices. And uh, in fact, my wife and I, we've had, you know, we've we've made decisions. And and I'll just give you um, a for instance. I remember talking about a tire. When I first got saved, I got saved and, uh, and accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, at, at First Assembly of God in Grand Rapids. And uh, I wanted to serve him. I mean, all of a sudden, I got, I got saved and accepted him, and I wanted to make a sacrifice. I mean, what can I do to serve God? And, and I just, I didn't know what to do, and so the, the, um, I, I went um, and, and started asking around, and, and this uh, um, gentleman uh, from ushers, they said, how would you like to, to serve as an usher? I'm like, yes! 
I want to do that. I want to serve as an usher. And, and so the first thing I did is I, I get myself ready for the next, you know, son. He says, well, we'll put you on the roster. And I, I, I come there just like this. And he, he goes, uh, no, no, you, you don't understand. I go, what do you mean I don't understand? I, I know I don't understand how to usher. I've never done it before, but, you know, teach me the way. He goes, no, you, you're not, you, you, you're not, uh, you don't have the right attire. I go, what do you mean? He goes, so we, you need a suit. I go, oh, okay. So the, the, that week, my wife and I, we go over and, we, and I get a nice pair of slacks and I get a nice shirt and I get a tie. So I come to church with the next Sunday and I got my slacks and I got my shirt and I got my tie and I'm ready to serve. And he goes, no, no, no. And his name was Jim Blackford, awesome man of God. He goes, no, you don't understand. And uh, he goes, I go, what do you mean? I said, look, I, I got my suit on. He goes, no, you don't have a suit. You don't have a suit jacket. And, and I go, what is this, religious? And I mean, I, before I even said that, and before I, I just responded wrongfully out of it. See, what was happening is, is the church was trying to teach us what was sacred. It was a sacred thing to serve God as an usher. Now, they didn't use those words, they didn't, we didn't really understand those words, but I look back, and I, you know what, that following week, I went and bought a suit, I, never, I didn't have a suit, but I went and bought a suit, and I was so overjoyed with the sacrifice that I could serve my God as an usher, and I wanted to be the best usher that God ever had. And I think many times, we've made God so common, he's not common, and we've made it so easy for people to serve him, to come to him, and we've lost the consciousness and going, look, God is holy, he's sacred, he's not of this world. And we've made it so applicable, and I'm guilty of this, I'm, I'm probably the most guilty of this. Because I love people with the love that God has. I love people and I want people in. But I have missed, and I'm not saying we're gonna start having People wear suits, and that's not what I'm talking about. Because it's, see, the suit is in here. What's going on in here? And so what God did is, he tries to, because a lot of us, honestly, we, we, we were very imagery. And so God was making all these images so that we'd get it. Right? I mean, who would want to make a really fast car that looked stupid? Nobody'd buy it. So you make it look fast before it is fast. I know I use these illustrations because it's just it's my imagery, all right? But the point of it is, that's what people, because we, that our eye gate, so God was trained, teaching people, put it up there again, teaching people about what is holy. He goes, he was reaching them in the physical, trying to teach them something spiritual. And that they would draw near to it and experience what he had. You are a priest unto the Lord. Now, being a priest, that means you have to wash your hands when you get it. And by the way, every single priest had to change their garment. When they, the garment they wore outside the tent was different than the garment they wore inside the tent. And they could not take the garment they wore inside the tent outside. They had to take that garment off. Why? Because God was trying to teach them what is holy and sacred. He was trying to teach them my presence is sacred and holy. It's separated. And you realize that this, God calls you sacred and holy unto him. So what do we do with this perspective? 
What do we do with this teaching? What is this labor? And by the way, this, this labor was made out of Egyptian mirrors. That's what it was made out of. It was made out of Egyptian mirrors that they put in place. And so, and what it did is made out of copper so that there would be a reflection. And you know, when many people teach that, they, they, they would look at this and get their hands and their feet and they would see a reflection of who they are. Well, God doesn't want us to see a reflection of who we are He wants to see a reflection of who he is in your life. That you are the image and made in the image of God. And that Satan in this culture, in this whole world's deception is to make you think that you're of this world. But you're not of this world. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God called you out of it. Now, maybe not physically, but spiritually, he called you out of it. Just like when Adam and Eve said, if you t- when, when God told Adam and Eve, he says, if you take of this fruit, you shall surely die. They didn't physically die, but they spiritually died. So God is trying to tell you, he says, look, what's most important in your life is your spiritual aptitude, your spiritual awareness, your spiritual livelihood. I am trying to go over there and say, draw near to me and you will be recharged by my presence, recharged by who I am. You will start recognizing what God is in my perspective. You'll take on my perspective of this world instead of taking on the world's perspective. Quickly, Approaching our king is no small thing. Getting close to our king is a huge deal. Getting close to Jesus is a huge deal. Then the Lord said to Aaron in Leviticus 10.8, you and your descendants must never drink wine or any other alcoholic drink before going into the tabernacle. If you do, you'll die. This is a permanent law for you and it must be observed from generation to generation. You must distinguish between what is sacred and what is common. You as a priest are supposed to distinguish. You know what, your, your kids, your spouse, your workplace, they're looking for you as a priest to help them, show them what is common and what is holy. What is sacred and what is not sacred. Number three, as God's priests, we offer sacrificial lives. And I kind of reviewed a little bit what that, that looks like. In four, the brazen labor was made out of copper. We talked in verse 38, he's Exodus, verse eight. Bezalel was this craftsman made this bronze wash basin and its bronze stand from bronze mirrors donated by the women who served at the entrance of the tabernacle. And these priests would, again, come into the whole, they come into the tent of meetings, they would offer a sacrifice for themselves, then they would come and wash their hands and wash their feet. And every single time that they would come and do a sacrifice, they would wash their hands and wash their feet. The significance God has us go through many times, the sim- symbolic and the symbolism. Many of us have lost consciousness. We, get, we go, why, I don't want the symbolism. I don't want the, uh, you know, why doesn't God just make it simple? Why did God, Jesus talk in parables? And I wanna, I wanna end on this, um, this thought. God wants you to seek him. I don't know how to any better to say that. God wants you to search for him, to seek him, to desire him, 
to draw near unto him. And it's not that God has, you know what, that we, we religion always just, well, God's got to come my way. God's got to come my way. God's got to, you know what, God's got to show up. And, and many times, even when we're, we're in trouble, and we're, you know, let's just say that, my, you know, my wife and I are, are facing some new battles in our life. Many times we can go, well, God, you got to fix this. And God goes, draw near unto me, and I'll make a sacred moment with thee. And most of us, what we do is, oh, God, fix it. You know, we, the flight response. We just want to, you know what, let God, you know, run away from it, and God will take care of it. And God goes, draw near unto me, and I'll teach you how to overcome I will make this a sacred, I will make this very moment one of the most sacred moments of your life. Seeking, drawing near, approaching. Now, in doing so, the thing that happens is, is this wash basin is we realize that what we've touched, many things in this world that we've touched are unclean. Many things, many places that we've walked are unclean. They're of this world. Now, you don't even know that. Maybe you don't understand that. But God recognized it. And he says, and the Bible says very clearly, Amos, you know, it says this, 3.3. It says, how do two walk together unless they agree? You know that God wants you to walk with him? But the only way that spiritually you can walk with him is if you agree with him. Amen? And so in order to find agreement with God, you got to understand his perspective of who your life and what your life is and what Jesus has done. So at this sacrifice, Jesus paid it all for you. He died. He was brutally brutalized for you. And now all he's asking you to do is call that sacred. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for being brutal, having a brutal Attack. The Bible says, by his stripes, I am healed. Do you want to know why I'm so adamant about healing in the covenant of God? Because Jesus died on a cross for my sins. But he took stripes so I can overcome sickness. He didn't have to take those stripes. He chose to take stripes so I can overcome sickness. So to me, as I'm looking at one. Jesus, you didn't have to go through that, but you chose to go through that so that I can overcome the viruses, the sicknesses, the diseases, the attacks of this life. So I choose to call your stripes sacred to my heart. I choose to call those, those stripes as inner court experiences. I choose that if you made a covenant with your people in the old covenant to live above this, how much more so in the new covenant I can live above this. And what I recognize is that so many people out there, Christians, in Hosea 4, 6 is one of the first passages I learned as a Christian in accepting Jesus. My people, how many of you are God's people? All right. Perish, struggle, lose, because they lack knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of the inner court. Knowledge of the covenant. Knowledge of the presence of your daddy. 
understanding perspective that God says, look, I know that you live in the world, but I call you sacred and holy. And what God calls sacred and holy, he sets apart. And it's greater than all of the diseases and the afflictions and all of the the maliciousness and the hatred and all that stuff that's of this world. Are we truly looking unto the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus? Are we gonna be in like a tent looking at the inner court and only looking at a tent? Or are we gonna choose to walk and draw close to God and be a thankful heart in these hours? And through that thankful heart, get a praise on our legs and our feet and on our lips and start praising him because of who he is in our life. And from that praise, we're gonna be priests and we're gonna go over there we're gonna wash our hands and then wash our feet and go, the things I touched God today are gonna be sacred. The things I walk in are gonna be sacred. God, it's not because of what I am, it's because of who you are in my life. And like the apostles made it so clear, this is all of, the, all of these learned people that knew so much of the Bible, sat there and looked at these unlearned disciples and they said, they marveled and he says, I can't figure you out. You're just a bunch of fishermen. You're a bunch of pagan tax collectors. You're a doctor that's never known. But man, you've been in the presence of God and there's something different than you and there's power that comes out of you and there's something, there's an anointing that comes in. What God, they recognize a holy, sacred people but that wasn't of this world. They recognize something different. All they did, they marvel. says, well, I guess they've been with Jesus. Will that be you? Will that be me? Will that be us in these hours as the world seems to just be coming in on us? And I'm not denying it is politically, physically. I'm, I am not ignorant of what's going on outside of here. But it doesn't have to go inside here. Though the world presses in, who, if God is for me, what can be against me? Thanks be to God who always leads me into victory. If I'm being led by God, I've only got one destination, victory. If I'm not being led by God, I have a, what I can do is I can be sitting in the place of deception though I'm a child of God. I can be sitting in a place of frustration, though I'm a child of God. I can lack the knowledge and perish in the place I'm at. Or I can, the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing from the word of God. I can stand in a place of lacking knowledge and lose, or I can get and press in to the knowledge of who God is in my life and win. Amen? What choice will you make? What choice will I make? And that's not talking about pointing our fingers at somebody outside of here. I got all of them pointing on the inside. Are you just a bunch of words, Ron, Pastor Ron? Or are you going to believe that God's power can fill you with demonstration? Because Paul said it so clearly. He goes, I don't come to you with wise speech or excellent words. You know what's lacking in the church today? is demonstration. I include myself in that. And the only reason that demonstration's not is because I got too much of the world on me, too much of the thinking of the world on me, and I'm not washing my hands and washing my feet from this world and recognizing that all God has for my life. If all of us would come to that place and get God's perception, we would be the new Adams and the new Eves 
on the face earth and we would be walking out what God designed us to be. We would be the church of the latter rain. And that's what would happen. And we would see demonstrations and powers and might. Things that, you know what? Only that we read about in the book of Acts, God promised in the last hours. Well, are we going to ready ourselves? Are we going to look outside the tent and go, I hope somebody else experiences that and I'll go to visit that church? Or are we going to be that church? The only way in is to press in. Wash your hands. Wash your feet from this world. Wash your heart. Cleanse me, O God. See if there be any wicked way about me. Psalms 51. Oh God, there's wicked ways about me. There's paganism inside of me. But God, cleanse me. Father, I thank you for this moment that's life and spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We talk about the songs and break the chains we talk about the presence of God like it's just something that can, we can aspire in imagery in our minds. But the presence of God is a real place. We can, it, it, I love how David said, he says, you prepare a place, a table before me in the presence of all of my enemies. We could be getting in a place where we're financially completely surrounded with debt and despair. And God, we can feast in your presence. We can have every symptom of COVID or any other disease. And yet we can feast in your presence. And in your presence will be a fullness of joy. And it will press out the darkness of this world. No longer shall we be suppressed. But God, we will be led into victory. And these aren't just, God, these aren't just influential words. These are truths that you ask us to live by. Will we be those priests that live in a new order? Your order, God. Will we draw close into the presence of your sacredness and realize that, God, as we pray, as we sing, as we worship, it's a holy moment with you. Will we rend our hearts to you, God, and let you do whatever you want and take from us those things that need to be taken and give to us those things that we need to receive? you're here this morning, your head's bowed and your eyes shut. It all starts with accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Surrendering your heart into His hands. He died on the cross for you personally. It was a sacred moment that Jesus did. He's calling your name out. Will you receive it? Jesus died for all the world. But will you be the one that makes it sacred in your heart and surrender your heart to Him? And take this pathway. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand nice and high. Is there anybody here that says, that's me? I want to accept Him as my Lord and Savior right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're watching it right now and you find yourself in that same place. Take this moment, get on your knees, right in your, right in your little room right now, whether it's in the kitchen, dining, car, whatever it is. But let's all of us pray together this prayer of surrender. Say, Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, I come to you. And I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your future 
and let go of my past. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.